Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. This is our Q&A series where I answer your questions regarding the infinite banking concept, becoming your own banker. Let's get started. In this question, a statement, I want to start uh, a policy policies for all my children, but cash flows are slim. What is the smallest size policy to use for IBC? And that's really debatable depending upon your individual circumstances. This comes from Q&A number 40, workplace impact, insurable interest, Um you know, the smallest policy you could put on a child, I've seen them as low as $25 and $50 a month. Um, could you go lower than that? Probably not, but, you know, $25, $50 a month. And look, let me let me say this in this question. I know it's not a question and I'm adding to it, but, you know, there's about 300 and, you know, 10, 330 million people in America today. Think about this, okay? And even if you're an agent or an advisor listening, and I appreciate that you do listen, okay? Out of those round numbers for me, 300 million people in America, you, you know, uh, rough numbers, you know, I have no data to support this. But if you, if you think about that, probably 70% of them are insurable, right? They have an income, they have an insurable interest in someone else. Okay, and then out of that number, um, you know, there's a lot of people that can practice the infinite banking concept. So if I go through that again, 300 million people in America, let's say that 70% of them, or let's, let's even say 50% are insurable and adults have an income, right, 150 million people out there that are insurable, every one of them should be exposed to this idea of becoming your own banker, every single one of them. And I would say the majority of them, at least half of that, okay, now we're at 75 million people, can probably pay a 250 or $500 a month premium if they sat down and got honest with themselves and their expenses. All right, so I know that that was more than what the question. So $25 to $50 a month on a child may be the very low end that you can practice this with. Okay, well, whatever it is, however many children that you have, however much cash flow that you have, start where you're at. Start where you can. Start where you're at. And then I would additionally say to this, um, Mr. Grow Freedom, that you ultimately – and I don't know whether you have or you haven't, but we all should start on ourselves. Start on ourselves. Yes, we all, some of us have children. We all love our children. Yes, start on yourself. All right, and then you can just go to page 70, page 71, and becoming your own banker and, and understand what Nelson's uh, conveying in an even distribution of age classes. Okay, thanks for the question. This question comes from episode 171, part one of a Barry Dyck guest episode. And Barry's been on this channel with me as a, as a guest for many times. But this question, 
episode 171. Does he have his books on Audible so I can listen to it? Can I get your books, James, from Audible? Um, I do not know if Barry Dock has his books on Audible, so I don't know that. And man, I appreciate that. I do not have a book currently. I have content in my mind, some written down to write three books. When I get around to writing a book, I assure you it will be available. Um, I don't know if on Audible or whatever, but it will be available in audio format, hardback, paperback. So thanks for the question. Okay, and this question, and this is also on a short, what is Bowley was a short. And let me say on these shorts, you know, we have not sat down and recorded a bunch of shorts to placate or promote in TikTok, Instagram, and all the other short platform reels on Facebook. What we have done is gone through some of our pre-recorded content and taken off clips that, you know, could be interesting, right? Um, when we get around to shooting shorts, I assure you it'll be good. Okay. So this short, what is Bowley? I heard that the banks own life policies with a thin basis, like 1090. Is this true? And if so, why would they set them up this way? Are they perhaps forced to prioritize early cash value over long-term growth and the risk of mecking for some reason, regulatory or or otherwise? That's a very good question. And to my knowledge, and I sure don't know, and I don't want to know every banker across the country, right? But I'm I'm familiar with Bowley, and I'm familiar with um, banks in general, and a lot of bankers have a lot of bankers as clients, uh, you know, a lot of bankers as friends and colleagues and what have you. Banks do not buy thinly based, thinly based structured policies. They do not buy 1090 policies. So whomever you heard that from, I would suspect that they're promoting 1090s. No, they don't. As a matter of fact, banks, they will they use dividend paying whole life. They use whole life. They don't buy universal life. They don't buy variable universal life as a bank owned life insurance policy, right? Most of these uh, policies are, are used for future benefit of the board of directors or what have you. It's a place to put capital. And I assure you, banks are not buying universal life. They're not buying variable universal life. And they're not buying these jank 1090 policies. They want high premium and high cash value. And they're not living or dying on one-year premium or two-year premium or year three cash value. No, they want to build capital over the long term. A successful bank And we, if we're going to practice banking, should think long term. They think long term. So, no, they do not buy the uh, thinly based, small premium allocated to the base, uh, unusually or excessively high premium to the PUA. They don't buy them. So it is not true. Um, And they do not set them up that way. Um They are not forced to prioritize early cash value unrealistically. Of course, everybody wants early cash value, no question. They are focused more on the long term, and they absolutely will avoid the mech. And, And we should, too. That's a very good question. Thank you for asking. Thank you for listening. These shorts that we have released are doing 
you know, they get more con or not content. They get more likes and shares than, than I really realized. Uh, but I'm a non-tech guy anyway. Okay. In this question, what is the idea behind the accelerated death benefit rider? The definition is written in insurance ease. I'm not sure that I understand it. An accelerated death benefit rider, and there are many across the industry. Every company has their own or multiple. And, and typically, just the, the accelerated death benefit, it, it allows you to receive a portion of a death benefit if you meet certain requirements, like you're diagnosed to, uh, to die or you're likely to die, you're diagnosed with a terminal illness and your life expectancy has been shortened. That would trigger most accelerated death benefit riders. And then in addition, um, the life insurance companies across the industry are moving away from long-term care, quote unquote, extended care, whatever that terminology is, to an accelerated rider, maybe an accelerated, you know, rider two or plus or additional, um, which allows you to access some or all of the cash value and some or the majority of the death benefit if you meet certain requirements. You know, can't perform two out of the seven activities of daily living, which is long-term care language that triggers long-term care benefits in the long-term care world. Um, or maybe you have some kind of dread, dread, you know, heart attack, life-threatening cancer, stroke, um, there's triggers to access the accelerated benefits, right? Terminal illness, um, a specified disease or, uh, chronic, whether it's chronic, you know, I gotta go to the nursing home, home, gotta have home health. A chronic illness could trigger, uh, benefits as well. And this question, what is the idea behind, quote unquote, surrender to pay premiums? Um, it looks like the premium outlay goes to zero. And I don't really understand that. Okay. So if, and I kind of spoke to this in the previous question, if you have cash value and you have sufficient net cash value, net of any outstanding loans, Net cash value. If you have sufficient cash value there, um, you can surrender cash values to pay premium. That's what surrender of uh, surrender to pay premium is. You're surrendering cash values to pay a premium, and that's typically not a permanent um, option or ability that a policy owner would have. But that's what that means. You're surrendering PUAs to pay a premium. And Nelson used surrender uh, to pay premium and some of his illustrations and become in becoming your own banker. Um, so you surrender the cash values typically from the PUA, the base premium and the riders, whatever, are paid. Dividend is paid on that premium payment. But the premium payment to pay that was using surrenders of cash value. I hope that answers your question. And a good question it is. Okay. In this question, what is the reason for a term rider? Is it used to hold a level death benefit? Question. Um, there must be a reason other than the death benefit itself 
since death benefit is not really emphasized within the infinite banking community. And I modified that question for um, this episode, but that's exactly what he's asking. And so typically a term rider is used to raise the death benefit to avoid a mech. And it's either uh, a rider on that policy as a standalone term rider or a lot of companies have blended PUA riders that blends the PUA with a one-year annual renewable term component. There are multiple PUA riders across the industry. They're all a little bit different. Um, I have We have released PUAs 1 and 2 as standalone episodes. Part 3 will come out in the near future and it will dive deeper into the uh, death benefit. It, uh, so it'll come up in there too. when I'm talking about blended PUAs. Okay. And this is a question on mass panic in the infinite banking footprint. Episode 161, where Ryan and I did that episode. The question is, gents, do you think any of the pressure to de-emphasize IBC comes from the preference to have, quote unquote, extra cash going to the insurer's investment house rather than the PUA rider? You know, I had to look up that episode to kind of understand what you're asking. And, and so let me say this, that the the. uh I think there's pressure, and so that this episode really was was recorded after Mass Mutual sent out a memo. That was the first memo that they created for their sales force in in January of 2023. So the very first memo they put out for the year was pretty much slamming the idea of infinite banking concept and their agents that uh, practice or promote the idea of collateralizing life insurance in a very markety way. And so they should um, control their marketing force, no question. But they also should understand the infinite banking concept. I, I think, and I don't want to, I don't want to beat up mass mutual, but I think that, well, that's where the episode came from. And so the question here is, you know, is there pressure to de-emphasize IBC comes from the preference to have the extra cash going to the insurer's investment house. And I, I would say no, because all of the premium that you pay to a life insurance company, either base premium, riders, you know, PUA premium, all of that is premium money to the life insurance company. And all of that money, net of all of their expenses, goes into, you know, what what you said, uh, the investment house. I mean, they have to put that capital to work to meet these future obligations. So if you're paying a premium to like a waiver of premium, you know, you're paying that, uh, that waiver of premium would be a rider on the policy and it has its own premium. And those dollars are put to work, right? They have to earn a rate of return on their net premium income right to meet the future obligation in that ex in that example of waiver premium the future obligation is they've got to pay a benefit the premium if you become disabled or can't work or whatever is uh defined within that waiver premium rider so my point here is all of the premium paid to the life insurance company net of their expenses they have to put to work to meet future obligations right so the reason, in my opinion, and I know I've talked about it, hadn't released it yet, and I know it's in August. I mean, I've, 
I've written a commentary on the mass mutual memo because it made, you know, shockwaves through the industry. There's a lot behind that memo. That's why I haven't released it because I got to, I have to keep rewriting it. You know, I come across a little too harsh, but in my personal opinion, mass mutual has a 6% dividend. So when their policy or when their agents are writing these 90, 10 policies, which are jank anyway, because that's actually a boon to the life insurance company. When you write a 90, 10 policy, the odds of that death benefit going down at natural maturity or natural mortality are extremely high. So you think about that, you're paying premium to a life insurance company and the risk to them declines excessively to, pitiful amounts at natural mortality that's a boon to the life insurance company when you pay a high pua premium or any premium right the but especially on the high pua premium they have to put that capital to work okay and so in in this particular insurance company's case they're sitting there paying a six percent dividend and their loan rates 5.5 it causes spread compression they don't like this business because it's ultimately not good marketing practices Right. And it puts pressure on them to subsidize their dividend because their portfolio rate is not earning the declared dividend. That may be too much for this question, but no, they don't like that business because of the spread compression it puts on them. And then when you have the jank type marketers out there, um, you're just putting liability out there in the big wide world. Well, who has all the money? Not the insurance agent that's writing the jank. They'll be named, right? And if a lawsuit ever came up, it's a life insurance company that has all the money. So they don't, they're not interested in, you know, future liabilities, legal liabilities. This is all my opinion. Okay. But then he goes on to ask a question on the same episode. Um, so if any infinite banking agency were to heavily and excessively promote the big four, quote unquote, will they now be promoting the reluctant remaining three? <laughs> Very good question. I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to do something uh, because Mass Mutual doesn't want their business. And the other companies that they heavily promote, the guys who promote or the people who promote the big four. Um, the other companies really don't want their business anyway, my opinion. So I don't know what they're going to do. <clears throat> they're going to have to make some kind of an adjustment, right? Um, and God bless them. In this question, I live in Fort Worth. Is there anything that is taught or done in person that I could possibly attend? Question mark. I am wholeheartedly moved by the life of Nelson Nash, and I feel so compelled to help carry out the task he was set upon. Um, I don't know where you can hear live content in Fort Worth or anywhere else for that matter. I mean, I know what we do at James C. Nethering Associates. I mean, we are hosting a live event this October 2023. We hosted one last year in October 2022, and... um, if we host live events, and these are client-only events, okay? Um, and so, Ray, you're not a client, so you're not going to get an invitation to that. But you have an opportunity if you're not a client, right? And if we do public um, events in person, we would let our clients know first. And then, of course, we would let the general public know. But thanks for asking. I don't know where live events are held. I think personally, live events should be held all over the country. You know, and I believe personally that the NNI 
uh, practitioners should be hosting live events all across the country. This information, yes, the, the idea that you can become your own banker and uh, control the banking function at the UNME level, it's getting more and more traction, quote unquote. You know, it's getting, there's more awareness um, happening, but it needs to uh, be ramped up. You know, I think that the people who understand the infinite banking concept, practice it and teach Correctly, the idea that you can become your own banker is not an investment scheme. It's 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 none of that. It's systematically building capital where you can control the banking function. That message needs to be occurring everywhere across the country. I think that on any given weekend, the general public should have a choice of places to go. So um, that's just I'm just sharing with you. Okay. And this is a, a positive comment, which Tom, I, I appreciate the comment. And, and it was comes from the email exchange. Um, I was about to pull the trigger on my first policy. However, after listening to some of your shows, I have concerns about what I was being led towards. Your information has been a breath of fresh air and reassuring me of my concerns are reassuring me my concerns were likely correct. And I appreciate that. He's since become a client. He was being led down a short-term solution, and he's a long-term-minded individual, right? Would it have been the end of the world for him? Would it have been a complete train wreck? No. But if you can do better, you should. Okay. Thank you for listening. If you have a question that you would like answered, email me at james at bankingwithlife.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.